Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. Again, thank you guys for um, letting me come here. Thank you, Justin, for um, having me preach to you all. Um, Yeah, so I am in my sixth year as the campus minister with RUF at the University of Central Florida. My wife's name is Sarah. We met and got married in St. Louis while we were in seminary, at Covenant Seminary. We have three beautiful children two of whom have the stomach bug. And so I don't have any, anybody with me. I was planning on bringing at least one child with me today, um, but I didn't want to contaminate this whole church. So um, I'll, I'll receive your Thanksgiving from that. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a pleasure to get to be with you guys. Um, I'm a full-time campus minister. I'm kind of like a part-time traveling preacher. Um, I'm going to be preaching in Tallahassee next week and then in Denver in three weeks. And so uh, I have that that blessed opportunity to be able to travel around and to uh, and to speak and to share the the good news of the gospel to a lot of people. Um, and I'm also under no illusion that that you are coming here, um, you know, feeling amazing that you are uh, totally psyched about being here, or that you're totally healthy, uh, or that things are just put together in in beautiful, perfect ways. Um, We've, it's been said earlier, but I think it's worth repeating that wherever you are uh, in your life, whether your life is a complete mess um, or if everything feels like it's really great and really comfortable, um, you're welcome here. And I hope that you hear this message of, of Christ and I hope it would transform you as well. Um, so coming here and, and feeling like, you know, things aren't perfect in my own life and they're a little bit messy. It's kind of funny that I'm talking uh, about what would what I would describe as a pep talk, because it kind of feels like when you get a pep talk from somebody uh, that you are doing really, really well, um, that you are killing it in every other portion of life. And so you have a mentor or a coach or someone like that that is, that is saying, like, keep going. You're doing really amazing. Uh, you, you need to keep fighting. Um, and typically, but, but, but the truth about pep talks is that it's usually when people are down, when they're struggling, when things aren't perfect. Uh, some, of the most, some, some of the best pep talks are in order to calm people, in order to, to give them assurance of where they are going. Um, Tony Bennett is the head basketball coach at the University of Virginia. And um, he is just an amazing man. If you don't know who this guy is, you should look him up later. Uh, but Bennett is w- what had the amazingly awful privilege of coaching a number one seeded team that lost to a 16 seeded team in the 2018 uh, NCAA basketball championship. They lost to this team called UMBC, which no one had, most people around the country had never even known that there was a university called the University of Maryland uh, in Baltimore County. But this team had this improbable victory against Virginia, completely embarrassing them. Um, And at the end of that, he told the media, he said, we lost our way. I think it was a good point. And we tried to, we we tried to get back with one shot. Uh, But if we, if we look back, we see that our guys battled, 
Uh, and it wasn't for lack of efforts, but it was a hard team for us to come back to. And essentially, Bennett just knew that they didn't have it together that night, uh, that, that they were not going to make it happen. And so Bennett is, is a really great example for us of what it looks like, what Paul is trying to do for us here today. He's trying to show us uh, that our character is important, uh, but that we essentially need to keep fighting. And, and Im- implied within this longer quote is that, is that Bennett said, we're going to come back and we're going to keep fighting next year. We're going to keep doing what we need to do. Paul, this, this man who is speaking here, the apostle, is speaking from prison. He's not sitting in some ivory tower. Uh, he is heading to death. He is about to die. He is going uh, to, to, to die at the hands of a very vicious people. And the people in Philippi were concerned about this. They loved him. They cared for him. And in the book of, in, in this letter to the Philippians, he uses the, the word joy or a derivative of it about 40 times. 40 times. And this man is in house arrest. He is in jail. He is about to, to seek his death. And so we see even from this little part of Philippians, this amazing pep talk about God's mercy. And the, the simple refrain of the Bible, remember who you are and whose you are, is explicit in, in, this, in, in this passage particularly. And prior to the, this, uh, these verses that I read to you, we hear that Paul established who Jesus is as the example of our faith. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is sometimes referred to as the Christ hymn. And essentially what it is, is it talks about how Jesus was humiliated for our sake. And he went to the death, dying on the cross, but that he was also exalted by the Lord. That he was raised up and it, and it ends that every knee um, on earth and under the earth would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is who we are speaking of today. That is the, the way of Jesus, is humiliation in order to be exalted. And that is the, that is the Jesus who we serve. And so Paul is actually, in, in these verses, in the seven verses I read, and what we're going to be looking at, is inviting us to a depth of, ex, of exploration with God. And what he's saying is that our salvation is deep, it is deep. It is, not, it is not only a decision that we made long ago or a couple of weeks ago. It is, it is a, a relationship and it is something that is super deep in our lives. And so we are going to, to pursue that idea with three things. Knowing your salvation is the first point. Second, resisting the urge to quit. And then third is leaning in to our uniqueness. So first, knowing your salvation and really, the center of this passage comes in the first verse, and it, and it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And to paraphrase it, you could say, discover and continually recover your own salvation. Discover, know what it is, know what it means that Jesus has died on the cross for your sake, that you have been saved from your sin, and then continue to recover who it is uh, that who who has continued to save you from that sin? It isn't just a, a point that is stamped in your history of your life, but it is something that is ongoing, over and over and over again. Jesus saves you 
from you. What's so great about this perspective that Jesus is calling us to uh, is that it, it isn't some memory that fades in our, in, in our mind. It isn't just some historical marker. It isn't something that meant something to us many, many years ago. But working out your salvation means that we continue to know who it is uh, that, ha- that has called us from darkness to light, that we continue to grow. Uh, and so what, what this helps us with is that it helps us to not make one little thing in our life uh, be, be something that we keep going back to. For my students at UCF, they can feel like, I just want to go back to my freshman year when things were so nice and so comfortable and so easy, and it was easy to pursue Jesus. For some of you, it may have been a, a time in college or in high school. It may have been the time whenever your kids were in a really sweet stage. Or when you were, when, you know, you were working hard and making a lot of money. Um, that, is, that, that can be the places, the markers that you, that you want to go back to. But what Paul is encouraging us to do is to know our salvation now, as well as in the past. Remember that Jesus that has saved you. Um, and, and so in that, in that vein, we are to remember who we are. We are also to remember that God is at work. Uh, in three weeks, I told you guys that I'm going to be preaching in Denver. And part of the reason is that I'm going to RUF staff training. And in this time, all of the RUF campus ministers from all around the country get together. And we share um, what has been happening. And it's very easy to, to just come and to complain about everything that's happened, uh, to be frustrated about what's happened. But one of the markers that we as a ministry have, have clung to is that God is at work. God is at work. That before we got to campus, before I got to campus five plus years ago, God was at work in the lives of students. God was at work in the life of the students that are in our ministry now. God will be at work as they go on from us. God is at work here in this community, in this, in this theater, among the people that are here. And that is just such a beautiful way for us to, to look at our salvation, particularly if you're coming here and you have kids or friends or relatives who have fallen away from the faith, that consider themselves ex-evangelicals or post-Christian, that there is a hope that, that God has p- potentially has a beautiful story to write in that person's life. It also encourages us not to feel like we're, going, we're threatened by them, or that we're going to pick up some bad virus of being ex-Christian or post-Christian uh, by, by being with them. But really what, this, what we are called to in this passage is incredible hope, that we are freed uh, from knowing that we, that we have to keep working ourselves. Because as it says in this passage, it is God who is at work in us. It is God who is the one who is doing this work. And so continually we are, we are knowing that our life is being filled by him. And we know him deeper and deeper. And we are continually being freed from the slavery of sin. The great beauty of salvation's work is that God is the one who is doing the work. And it is for his good pleasure. It's for his good pleasure to see you grow, 
to see you know your own salvation, to see you know him in deeper and deeper ways. God is grateful to be at work in your life, as weird as that may sound, and as detached as that may sound. Um, the story of Pinocchio is all about knowing who you are. I'm, I, I live in Orlando, so I had to throw in a, a little Disney illustration for you, right? Pinocchio is all about knowing who you are, and there is this salvation kind of moment where he is transformed into a boy, and he says, I'm a real boy. That is essentially what we are, what, what, what Paul is calling us to, what this church is calling you to, is to see that you are a real person made in the image of God who is, who, who is a person that ought to be loved and who is a person also that is broken and that is not perfect. And, it, and, and that, that idea, those two parts are beautiful because it helps us to confess that we aren't as we should be. Um, but it also helps us to know how we are created and who we are as people who are, uh, are loved by God and known by God. So that's the first idea. The second is that we have to resist the temptation to quit. Resist the temptation to quit. Verses 14 through 16 say this, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights to the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Grumbling or disputing or complaining are so common today, but they are toxic to a group of people. And Paul, again, is speaking to a church. He is speaking to a church and say, do all of these things, do all of your life without doing, without grumbling, without being what the, the whole culture wants you to do. This is, this is a common thing in Philippi as it is in St. Petersburg, as it is in Orlando, to complain, to groan. So Paul is encouraging his people to be countercultural, to resist that human temptation, and instead to hold fast to the word of God, to hold fast to being one of Christ's. He says, shine as lights in the world. We could refer back to Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He is encouraging um, he is encouraging us to remember what Jesus has said, that we are different from the world, that we, that as lights in the world, we can actually expose the darkness that is in others' lives, uh, that the truth of the gospel is something that exposes the darkness. Uh, and then he also says, Paul says, holding fast to the word of life, which can be, can, can be challenging because he's actually encouraging us to have proper moral conduct. Um, in order to continue to run well, to to have um, to have a life that is 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 seen as good, is moral, uh, but it is not a conditional statement of identity. It's not if you are acting well, you are a Christian, but rather it is it is how we as Christians are to act as people who who love well who do things that are, that are good in our communities. And all of this, again, is a motivation for us not to quit. Today we live in a world where quitting is so easy. It's easy to quit church. 
It's easy to give up on a church and to go somewhere else. It's easy to quit uh, like virtually anything. I could list off 700 things. Uh, but one thing I was thinking of in particular, we're going into the season of Advent in a couple of weeks, but the season of Lent is something that is really trendy, at least among college students, uh, because they think it is really cool to give things up. Um, I heard of one student last year, and he almost came today because he like he lives about an hour away, and I'm really I really wish he did because he would have been super shamed by this. But last Lent, he gave up social media, coffee, sugar, and he became a vegan. And I, and I was like, Jason, you are miserable. That is so awful. Uh, maybe one of those things, but not four. Uh, and so I, I, I asked him and I encouraged him like a, after it was finished, cause I wanted to see him like become miserable, more miserable as, as things went on. Why did you do all of this? And he is a super honest person. And he said, honestly, I did it because I wanted to feel better about myself. Self-improvement, right? That's typically our motivation for doing things. And for him, it was, you know, he, he was able to focus on Jesus a little bit better, but he also lost a few pounds. He was able to focus on Jesus, and then he was really righteous about not being on Facebook for 40 days. He felt super good about this. And, and sometimes we can even do this with church. We hear that sermons stimulate our brain, kind of like a podcast does. We know that songs, uh, singing songs and having good community are actually beneficial things for our life. We could go on and on. But then Jesus is actually tapping into something more. He's actually tapping into our hearts to remind us uh, that we are those who have, been, uh, who, who have been crucified with Christ, continuing to be reminded of Christ's great love for his people. Um, the truth is that, is that Jesus is the one who we follow and not because we can get any cool benefits from it. Another reason that we don't quit is that we have a family. Um, Justin mentioned it earlier in confessing the apostles creed in reading the scriptures, we are doing something with other Christians all around the world and from all time. There's something really beautiful and connectional about that. And so for us to, to, for us to stay in the game as Christians, for us to not quit and leave, we are actually staying with our family, whether it's city church or Christians around the world or Christians that you know from other places, you are keeping yourself connected. Um, we see this uh, with, with, even among friends in this congregation. Like there are beautiful people who you are connected with. And because of this church, because of Jesus, there is a depth within your family. Um, and so Paul is certainly doing this in speaking to the people at Philippi. He is, he is encouraging them to stay in the game, to keep following Jesus. And what's amazing, guys, as, as you grow and as you mature just as a person you see the benefits of being in the church. I encourage my students of this all the time because I have so many students who are under this category of de-church where they've, where they've left the church for the past two, three, four years. 
to get into a church, to, to walk with people who are older, who are the same age, uh, to, to see the little children grow up in the faith is really a beautiful thing. And so even if you are feeling so weary and so tired, um, there is goodness found in, in continuing to strive to be involved in this community and to continue to know Jesus. So that's the second thing is resisting the urge to quit. And the last thing I wanted to give to you guys is to lean into your uniqueness as a follower of Christ. The last two verses here are really kind of jarring. 17 and 18 say, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul is instructing Christians, again, as he's in prison, I mentioned this earlier, as he's facing, facing martyrdom, um, to, to look to him as one whose life is being proclaimed by Christ. Um, th- and this may sound mad. This may sound crazy, especially since there are all of these variations of joy that are mentioned here. Paul has to be nuts, right? He has to be crazy saying that if, if his life is to be poured out as a drink offering, if he is to be sacrificed to rejoice in that, to be glad and to, and to rejoice in that. Um, and so we must consider Philippians as a whole. That the first chapter, Paul talks about that he is one that is headed to martyrdom. Um, and likewise, Jesus encourages us, encourages his, his believers to trust uh, in him and in his, and in his body. But Paul's faith in death, right, is pictured as the thing worth rejoicing because of Christ's faithfulness to his life. I want you to hear that again, that, that Paul's faith in his own death, knowing that he will be with Christ, shows us that he is rejoicing in Christ's death and his faithfulness uh, to, to Paul's own life. And likewise, we are to, we, we are to run after Jesus in that. Um, and, and I think, again, this is a jarring thing because of things like 13 Reasons Why the Netflix show that, that kind of glamorized and glorified suicide. They kind of said that, that like going towards death can be okay. Um, and, and I thought of that as I was, as I was putting this together, like how difficult would it be if you're a person that struggles with your own life having meaning to hear these words, to hear Paul say this, and then, and then to, to just think like, yeah, of course my life doesn't mean anything. Paul is not speaking to that because it, what, what that idea shows, the 13 reasons why, this, this idea of suicide somehow being something that is beautiful to, to pursue is really saying that I don't matter, that none of you matter, that our community as, as a faith does not matter, and that my identity is nothing. Paul is, is not saying that at all. He is placing his identity in Jesus, and he is saying, my identity is being reflected in Jesus. And so in that, whether I live or whether I die, Christ is glorified. Rejoice in Jesus. Don't rejoice in my death. Rejoice in Jesus. I want you to hear that that, that very, very clearly. Our greatest gift is Jesus. Our only hope 
is in Jesus. First, first Corinthians 2 2 is one of the first verses that I memorized uh, when I started walking with Jesus in college. It says, I declare to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. I declare I, I, I deci- declare to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. He's saying, I want my own life, my own heart, to be reflective of Jesus and what he has done. So whether it's in bad or good or conflictual or exciting times, Christ is everything. Christ is what matters. Our identity matters because it is in Christ. Again, at the the beginning of the sermon, I referenced Tony Bennett. I talked about the embarrassing loss uh, for the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, But then dramatically, this team ended up winning the NCAA basketball national championship in 2019. Um, And after the championship, he said this. He said, I played a song for them called Hills and Valleys by Torrin Wells. And it just means that you're never alone in the hills and valleys that we face this year. And that was so true because so many of those players had continued from that 2018 to 2019 season. Uh, what was amazing was to, to see the contrast of these, these guys who had been embarrassed and this team that was so sad to then see them victorious one year later. But that, that was it. That's the mountaintop for Virginia basketball. Um, they won the national championship and they could con- continue winning every year, but they have to keep working to get to that mountaintop every year. And friends, what we have as Christians is a call to actually rest in Jesus, to know Jesus, to continue to be reminded of how beautiful it is that he went to the cross for us, that he, that, that he is raised from the dead, um, and that we are, we are his people. We can be continually reminded of that, and it does not require us to work more and harder. It actually requires us to live deeper and deeper into that salvation that we have been called to. So if you're a Christian here today, I hope this is encouragement for you to keep walking. Whether you're walking with a huge limp, whether you need someone to help you uh, to walk in Christ. And, and, And I would even encourage this too. If you know of someone who is struggling, come beside them and help them in whatever way that you see possible. Um, And if you are not a Christian today, I think this is just a beautiful encouragement for you to seek the face of the Lord, for you to to ask uh, what you are clinging to, what your hope is. And if it in any way comes close to the hope that is found in Jesus alone, the power of the cross would be great for you today. Let me pray for us.